Lord. Let's give him a, a shout of praise this morning. You are holy, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. Great is the Lord, and he is greatly to be praised. Anyone else feel that way today? Great is the Lord, and greatly he is to be praised. Can we say that together? Great is the Lord, and he is greatly to be praised. Just give me one shout of praise this morning. Yes, he is worthy. Oh, we love him so much. He is our King of kings and He is our Lord of lords. We are nothing without Him. We are nothing without Him. But with Him, church, we can accomplish anything. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. While you're standing, let's just raise your hands to heaven and let's open this, this service or this word. Let's commit this word to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to say this morning that we praise you with every fiber of our being. We exalt your name. We stand in awe of you today. We gather in your name as your children. Bless our time together. Bless this word to our hearts. We acknowledge as your church here at Frontline, Lord, that it is all for you and it is all about you. So we ask today that you would encourage those who need encouragement. Lord, strengthen those who are weak. Heal those that are sick. Give hope to those that are lost, Lord, and light a fire in the heart of those that are growing cold. Lord, we look to you for everything because when we have you, we lack nothing. So, Lord, we praise today and come and take your rightful place among us. Speak to us through your word, Lord, and may we be conformed into a measure of the image of Christ as you reveal truth to us today. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You may take your seats this morning. What an amazing time in, in His presence this morning. The Lord is here this morning, church. The Lord is here. The church is so good to be with you this morning. And as we focus on God's amazing, life-changing Word today, I want to speak to you about a deeper walk. A deeper walk which is represented by a deeper hunger and deeper desire for more of God in our lives. You see, this deeper walk is a vital element in our Christian walk, in our Christian journey. It is a vital element in discovering the deep thing, things of God in our lives. You see, church, God reveals Himself, but He reveals Himself deeper to those who search deeper. You see, it's not that He's a, a respecter of persons, it's just that He responds to earnest desire and hunger. Because hunger for God will allow you to continue to pursue when everything else has failed. That deeper walk, that deeper hunger and desire will continue to you to allow you to keep pushing past the obstacles and hindrances that the enemy keeps on putting in your path to trip you up. It'll give you the zeal to keep on, on pushing through. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. And there's a beautiful verse, church, in Psalm chapter 42, verse 1, that says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
And church, the mental picture that you can take from this verse is a deer running through the fields. Perhaps because it's been hunted and it's exhausted and overwhelmed. And it runs towards the water brook. Because the water brook brings refreshing, it brings new hope, it brings new life. But also it's interesting, church, that your scent is not able to be picked up in a body of water. So it protects you. And church, there is a place in God. I don't know who's been hunted this morning. I don't know who's overwhelmed and exhausted, but there's a place in God where your enemy cannot find you. There's a place where you can't even pick up your scent. It's called the secret place of the Most High. You see, church, every nook and cranny of our lives is filled with something. And what we're filled with, we are going to, to worship, right? And if we want to be filled with God and worship Him alone, then God has to empty us of the things which hinders this experience. And it begins with the earnest desire and hunger for more of God in our lives. And my hunger for God will cause me to seek Him, which brings me to His presence. I want to say that again. My hunger for God will cause me to seek Him, which brings me to His presence. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Other translations say the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who realize that they are destitute without God, for theirs will be the kingdom of God. The Sermon of the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 we just read verse 3 is a list of Beatitudes, church, telling us that even though we're saved, even though we've been filled, even though we are made right with God, we are still somewhat deprived because there is so much more. There is more longing. There is more pursuing. Just go and have a look at that list of, of Beatitudes and see where you are. If you haven't perfected that, there is still more. And church, my hunger is going to drive me to understand this and to receive a greater infilling. Why? Because God has anointed us. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and he's not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Quick question for you this morning. If you're a Christian, this question applies to you. How many of you this morning are anointed? For some people, that's difficult to answer because in their mind, they believe that the anointing only belongs to pastors or to, to teachers or to evangelists or to prophets. And all those in holy positions. Those people are anointed, not me. Those people are up there and I'm down here. Well, church, that's not true. Because in the New Testament, with the New Covenant, because of what Jesus has done, we've all been anointed. Because we all have the Holy Spirit that abides in us. So coming back to what I just said, my hunger for God will cause me to seek Him, which brings me to His presence. And church, why is the presence so important? The presence, among other things, is so important because our anointing is renewed in His presence. Our anointing is renewed in God's presence. 
The Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But pastor, just take a step back. Why is the renewing of our anointing so important? Because whenever the anointing of God is renewed in us, it causes the anointing to flow. Now church, I know I'm going a bit deep this morning, but stay with me because I'm just adding these links to the chain that will eventually bring this message together. I'm going to bring you somewhere. Amen? In his presence, his anointing is renewed, and it causes his anointing to flow out of us. And as the anointing flows, church, out of us, the supernatural activities of the kingdom are demonstrated on the earth, in our lives, in the world around us. So to recap what I'm saying, a hunger for God causes us to seek him. As we seek him, it brings us to his presence. And in his presence, the anointing is renewed. When the anointing is renewed, it causes it to flow out of us. And in the flowing of the anointing, it releases God's supernatural activities of the kingdom here on earth. Church, I was reading Matthew chapter 17 this week and some of the biblical commentaries on this chapter. We know the story. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's there with three of his disciples. Moses and Elijah appear, and God says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. An amazing thing takes place. A miraculous thing takes place. And on their way down the mountain, they meet the father of a boy that had been demon-possessed. And the disciples that weren't with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration couldn't do anything for this boy. And the father comes to Jesus with disappointment and says, I brought them to your disciples, but they couldn't deliver them. And when I read this passage, church, when you read this, you get the impression that Jesus was a bit irritated with them. He seemed a bit disappointed because he says to them, Oh, ye of little faith. In other words, just step aside. Let me handle that. You know, I'll do this. I'll take care of it. And you know, church, as I was considering Matthew 17 and looking at some of the biblical commentaries, there's something interesting that stuck out for me. The disciples knew what to do and how to do it, but for some reason it just wasn't happening there. They knew what to do, how to do it. They knew the method, but something was wrong. They weren't successful. And Jesus comes in the midst to deal with this situation and casts out this demon. And you see, church, if you read the book of Matthew, something happened between Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 17. Pastor, what do you mean something happened? There's a lot that happened in the book of Matthew through those chapters. Well, when you get to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, listen to what it says. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. But when you get to chapter 17, the disciples are unable to cast out this demon. Something happened between chapter 10 and chapter 17. In chapter 10, Jesus commissioned them and he says, this is the work of the kingdom. And he says, you go out and this is what you need to do. And the Bible tells us that they went out and did what Jesus said. And they came back and they had a praise report. They had a testimony that people were healed and demons were cast out, and God did mighty demonstrations. 
But what happened here in chapter 17? Church, I think in chapter 17, they knew what to do. They knew how to do it. They knew the method, right? But it just wasn't happening. But church, why is this important? Why am I mentioning all of this, you may be asking? Church, something very important for us to note this morning is that ministry cannot become methodical. It can't. If ministry becomes methodical, if our worship becomes methodical, if walking out our Christian calling becomes methodical, then we will not see the demonstrations. In a service like today, we can walk right by and ignore the moving of the Spirit and maybe not even recognize Him, or if we did, we move on because we have a method in the way that we do things. And church, this is really what the season we're going into is all about. It's about sensitivity to His presence and to His voice. Hallelujah. If one Sunday morning the Lord says, I want to do something different, can you move aside, Ryan? You know, church, would I be able to hear that? And would I be able to obey that? I pray this morning I can, and I pray that I would, but I'm here to tell you that if ministry becomes methodical, I won't. And neither should you. It's interesting what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17 when they asked Jesus why they couldn't cast out this demon. He says to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Not some things, nothing will be impossible for you. But then Jesus says something interesting in verse 21. He says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And I want you to consider something with me about what Jesus says with regards to prayer and fasting this morning. Because what I think Jesus is saying to his disciples is, listen, oh, he of little faith, the situation right here hasn't happened. The method hasn't worked. And I want to remind you that really what needs to happen in your life is you need to reconnect. You need to reconnect. Because you were commissioned here in chapter 10, but here in chapter 17, something is not working. Why is that? And I think Jesus is telling them you need to reconnect because something is not operating the way that it should be operating. And when we think about this church, you know, there are some churches that need to reconnect because things are not happening the way they should be happening. There are some believers that need to reconnect for the very same reason. And this is so important for us as the body of Christ because if we are proclaiming the kingdom of God and kingdom principles then the operation of the kingdom needs to be manifested in our midst. It needs to be manifested among us. And that can happen in a number of ways, not just in signs and wonders, but in the way that the Lord transforms us internally so that we can affect the world externally. I think Jesus is saying you need to reconnect to the presence. Jesus says this, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And you may say, Pastor, what's the problem with that? You know, what's the big deal? Isn't that just referring to the method of casting that demon out? I don't know, church. I had an interesting week this week with this verse because I just started wondering when I read this. 
that Jesus already commissioned them to cast out the demons and to demonstrate the kingdom, is he now saying that every time we want to see the power of God, that we have to go through this process of fasting and prayer? And I'm wondering, church, if Jesus is not only saying that the demonstrations in your life come through prayer and fasting, but what Jesus is also saying is that through prayer and fasting, you and I can reconnect. And I think maybe Jesus is talking about these things come forth, not only the demon being cast forth, but I wonder if Jesus is also saying in our own lives that whatever is hindering us may be a method. Whatever is hindering us from the power to be revealed, that he's telling us that through prayer and fasting in our lives, that very thing that has become a method is cast out. It is cast out. I read something this week, church. You may say, Pastor, it sounds like you read a lot. Do you actually work? To be honest with you, I've, I've really grown to enjoy reading. But you, if you had to ask me that question a couple of years ago, I would have said no. So if you're not a reader this morning, there's, there's hope for you. But anyway, church, I read an article this week about a guy named Joshua Bell, who is a violinist. And he was in Washington, D.C. at a metro station. It's an underground train station on a cold January morning in 2007. And so this man with a violin played six Bach pieces of music for 45 minutes in the station. During that time, over 2,000 people went through the station, most of them on their way to work, but, they, but he just continued to play. As he began, after four minutes, a middle-aged man noticed that there was a musician playing. He slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds, and then he hurried off to meet his schedule. As he continued to play, he received his first dollar. A woman threw money in the hat, and without stopping, she continued to walk. After six minutes, a young man leaned against the wall to listen to him play, and then he looked at his watch and started, started to walk, walk again, started to walk along. At about 10 minutes, a three-year-old boy stopped to listen to something beautiful. But his mother tugged and pulled and, and hurried him to move on. And the boy still looked back because he was so intrigued by this, this beautiful sound. But they left and the action was continued and repeated. The musician continued to play without stopping. And in this time, only six people stopped and listened for a short while. About 20 people uh, gave him money, but continued to walk on their way. And he was able to collect the large sum of $32 in, in 45 minutes. He finished playing and silence took over, but nobody noticed, nobody applauded, and there was no recognition at all. Church, no one knows this, but the violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the greatest musicians in the world. He played one of the most intricate pieces of music ever written with a violin worth three and a half million dollars. Two days before this, Joshua Bell sold out a venue in Boston where the seats averaged $100 per seat to listen to him play. Joshua Bell playing incognito in a D.C. metro station was organized by the Washington Post as part of a social experiment about perception, taste, 
and people's priorities. Needless to say, the experiment raised some questions. Do you want to know what the questions are, church? Here they are. In a commonplace environment and an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? In a commonplace environment and an inappropriate hour, do we perceive, do we recognize beauty? Do we stop to appreciate it? Number two, do we recognize talent in an unexpected setting or an unexpected place or environment? Like this train station where Joshua Bell was playing. One conclusion was this. If we do not have a moment to stop and listen to one of the best musicians in all the world, playing some of the finest music ever written with one of the most beautiful instruments ever made, how many other things are we missing because we are rushing through life? And when I was thinking about this church, from a spiritual perspective, there's a verse that came to mind. John 1 verse 11 says, speaking about Jesus, it says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. They didn't even recognize Him. The Pharisees couldn't recognize Him. There were so many people that didn't recognize that He was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And that raised a, a serious couple of questions in my mind this week. I had to ask myself the question, has Jesus become a commonplace environment for me? You can ask yourself the same question. And when he speaks, is it an inappropriate hour? Have I stopped long enough to, in life to appreciate the value and the beauty of Jesus? Do I appreciate the value of the, the beauty that he's doing in my life, in my family, and what he's doing here in Frontline Church? Have I taken time to just pause, or have I just expressed a, a simple thank you? Have I sincerely stopped long enough to really ponder the moment of gratitude that my life is so overwhelmed with His greatness and His goodness and His faithfulness? That my thank you should express so much more. It should express energy. It should express emotion. It should experience life to the fullest because God's been so good to me. You see, I don't want to just rush into His presence and say, thank you, Jesus, but rather, Lord, why am I thankful? The second question I had was this. Do I recognize His anointing in an unexpected setting, environment, or place? Or is it only a church? But to think, church, that His anointing can be found in me when I go to the mall when I'm at Woolies, I'm, I'm ordering some food or I'm putting fuel in my car. When I think like that, that changes my perspective on things and the way that I can impact people. Do you and I recognize his anointing in an unexpected environment? You know, people walked by this guy and gave him $32, and his violin is worth $3.5 million. I don't think that $32 could even have bought him one string. And it made me think, church, how many times do we walk by Jesus and give him the scraps of our lives when he is worth so much more? Everybody just walked by because their life was, was so busy. And I know we're busy, church. I know that, that life is demanding. 
But I think there's times where we just need to stop and ponder. We need to stop and pause and just observe the beauty of Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. You see, I think that's where the disciples may have been. Ministry became demanding and they were just going through the motions. Until this man brings his son, they say, well, no problem. We know what to do. We know how to do it. Right? We know the methodology. We know what to say. But nothing happened. And I don't know about you, church, but I don't just want to talk about it. I don't want to just talk about what God did back then or, or 50 years ago, 100 years ago in some of the revivals. I want to trust that I seek God's presence. His anointing power in me will be renewed for a purpose, and that purpose will be evident in the world around me. You see, God's anointing power, church, always has a purpose. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 19, speaking about Jesus, it says, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the anointing power. Why? Why is that given? Look at what it says. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. God's anointing power always has a purpose. And let me say it this way. God's anointing power always has a purpose in your life and in mine. Church, if the Spirit of God is in us, we are anointed for a purpose. We have a mission to do God's work. And what if we, as, as a church, as we go into a time of prayer and fasting over the next couple of weeks, that we are sincerely hungry to reconnect with God's presence? What would happen if we would just pause for a few weeks, a few moments, to really observe the beauty of Jesus? What would happen if we would still ourselves enough to hear His voice? We can do that, church. We can do that, and that can become a lifestyle. A deeper walk, which is represented by a deeper hunger and desire for more of God in our lives, will cause us to seek Him with all of our hearts. And as we seek Him, it brings us to His presence. And in His presence, the anointing is renewed. When the anointing is renewed, it causes it to flow out of us, and in the flowing of the anointing, it releases God's supernatural activities of the kingdom around us. Amen? Yeah. Church, that's not just airy-fairy talk this morning. Because Jesus says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. He may come into my presence. He may come into the secret place of the Most High. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. That's the anointing. And church, I want to encourage you this morning as we go into this time of prayer and fasting to take a step into the water brook. To take a step into the secret place of the Most High. You may feel like you've been hunted this morning. You may feel like you've been hunted by the enemy. You're exhausted and you're overwhelmed. 
And you may feel like life is so busy and demanding, but you know what? As your soul pants, let it pant for God. This world is going to make your soul pant. But let it pant and let it hunger for God. Run to the, to the secret place of the Most High. Step in and drink from the eternal spring of the Almighty because as you do that, the enemy will not be able to trace your scent any longer. And the yokes of life become easier and the burdens of life become lighter. Church, God reveals himself deeper to those who search deeper and he responds to earnest desire and hunger. Let's shake of the methodical practices of religion. And we all have some. And let us be renewed in his presence for his purposes and for his glory. Let's commit this time of prayer and fasting to seeking his presence, to hearing his voice, and the Lord will show himself faithful. Is there a witness in the house of God's faithfulness? Can the worship team please come up? And church, I'm looking forward to hearing the testimonies of God's faithfulness at the end of this fast. I think we should have a time of, of, of testimony. Just giving God thanks for what he's done because God will show himself faithful. If you draw close to God, he will show himself faithful. We're going to be sharing some information on the, the prayer and fasting. But maybe before we do that, maybe let's stand together. His presence is like heaven to me. His presence is heaven. And church, maybe there's someone here this morning that God has been speaking to you through this message. And while we play one more worship song this morning, maybe the Lord is saying, you need to, do you need to run to the water brook? This life has, has got you confused. This life has made you exhausted. You're in a place of anxiety. The Lord says, come to the rivers, the rivers of living water. Come and jump in this morning. I just want to make a space this morning for those of you who feel like you're in a barren place. The Lord wants to refresh you this morning. He wants to restore you. He wants to renew you. I'm going to ask some of the leaders just to come stand in front. If you want to come forward this morning, if you need prayer, or if you just want to come kneel before the altar, we're going to make a space for that. We don't want to rush what God wants to do in your life this morning. Only you know what's going on inside you. You and the Lord knows. So don't keep it yourself. Come this morning. Come for prayer. Come and cast your burdens before the Lord this morning. Come into His presence. Come into His presence this morning. I feel the Lord is saying He wants to refresh you. He, wants to, he just wants to pour out His love on you this morning. He wants to let you know He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. Draw close to Him this morning.